Right, well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are listening to this. I'm Kofi, and I'm here with Brother Eddie. And this is the first episode of the... Oh, yeah, it is the first episode of the Cutting Room Floor Podcast. Eddie, how you doing, man? Uh, so far, so good, man. I'm excited to be able to contribute in this way and just uh, talk back and forth about church and uh, kind of what's going on there. So I'm excited. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So for those of you who just stumbled across this, um, this is a podcast of Redeemer Bible Fellowship in Medford, Oregon. And for one thing, I preach really long. <laughs> yeah, you do. And um, hey, I, I was taught to preach for an hour, so I preach for an hour. Um, but with me preaching so long, two things happen. One, I no doubt raise a lot of questions because I'm saying so much. And second of all, it means I'm having to leave something out. Now, some people might not believe me, say, you really leave things out. Actually, yes, I leave a lot out in my sermons. And so, for a while, I've been thinking about a way in which we can have further conversation about uh, some of the issues that get raised in the messages and some of the things that um, I would like to get to and often don't get to because of time. So, I thought through this idea and I saw some other churches do this where they kind of have a Here's what got left on the cutting room floor, hence the name. Like the stuff that got cut out from the final edit of the sermon, as it were. So my hope with this is that we can engage a little deeper with what's been preached on Sunday. Um, primarily, this is for our church family. And so hopefully as we get this going, start to get some questions from our church family about what was preached and be able to continue a dialogue with the messages that are preached each week so that's really our aim for this week and so well not just this week but with this podcast and so with that in mind i will turn it over to eddie who's going to chair the discussion yeah so i think um some takeaways from the sermon which i found uh very helpful uh, i know you'd preached on it one other time before um or no it was the membership classes which was really helpful mm-hmm. um and so i love that uh, I think one of the things uh, that you might have left out, obviously because there's not enough time, but Kofi, can you um, just talk about the idea um, of what you said was, uh, and you're going to have to remind me, but having spirituality that's independence from the church, why, why does that mm-hmm. matter? Um, mm-hmm. And I guess what are some arguments that people make for it? Um, yeah. Okay. Sure. So, um, well, before we get into it, let me give a summary of the message for those who haven't heard it yet. Um, so on Sunday, we began a sermon series at Redeemer. We're going for the next eight weeks called Simple Church Volume 2, Back to Basics. Now, it's called Volume 2 because back in January, I did a Volume 1 where we looked at the means of grace. So we looked at the Word of God, prayer, baptism, and the Lord's Table. And we asked the question, what does God design church life to look like? And we kind of boiled it down to really those four things. And everything else we do in church ought to be a manifestation of those four things. That's why the series was Simple Church. Well, for a while I'd been convicted that it was good for us to go back over some of the basics we usually cover in the context of our membership class. And also I felt like there needed to be some flesh put on the bone as it were some of the stuff i said in that first series so decided to take eight weeks after we just finished first peter to do that study and so one of the things that eddie just picked up on was i said that one of the 
realities that's become prevalent, I believe I read from a study by Lifeway Research, said that one of the things we're seeing now is a spirituality that is independent from participation in the local church. So when I, you, well, not when I, but when the writer used that phrase and I agreed with it, we're talking about this phenomenon that's not new. I think in the last couple of years, it's become very easy to blame everything on COVID. And there are some things I think with the COVID experience and us locking down our churches were unhelpful to be sure. But I think one thing that became very apparent was it exposed what a lot of people thought and didn't have room to practice, which was that I kind of don't need my local church. And that may be a blunt way to put it, but that's essentially how it ended up uh, manifesting itself. It ends up manifesting itself in this idea that I don't really need to go to church to be a good Christian. So you you hear variations on this theme throughout Christian culture at large of late. Everything from the, you know, I just go up into the mountains and that's my church. Mm-hmm. You, you hear that variation on that. You hear the, well, I just, you know, I'm part of the, you know, universal church. So I don't need to be part of a local church. Um, I took a shotgun to that dragon on Sunday because I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. But whether it's, you know, the I just go off into the mountains and just me by myself with my Bible. And in some cases, it's not even a Bible, just me and myself with God. Um, that's, you know, that's my church or the I don't need a local church to be a part of as long as I'm just part of the body of Christ. Since I'm a Christian, I'm part of the body of Christ. I don't need a church. That's what I'm getting at when we talk about this idea of uh spirituality that is independent from the local church i don't really need the local church to do the stuff of being a christian Mm. i can do that all by myself all right man well i really appreciate that um can you talk a little bit about um you know you had your three truths of the of a biblical church which was um um, the assembly the body Mm -hmm. fellowship can you um, mm-hmm. talk a little bit more about uh, the assembly of God's people? That's just so big to me. Uh, it kind of mm-hmm. just um, it adds on to what you already said, but it just shows us mm-hmm. that that God has not left us to do life on our own. Um, that mm-hmm. He has people with us. And can you just speak a little more on that uh, issue? Yeah, absolutely. So, like I said in the sermon, 114 times you see the word church used in the New Testament. 109 of them refer to local visible churches that should tell you something already the the local church is incredibly important in the mind of god Mm. if the vast majority of the time the bible talks about the church as a local church that should give us some pause right there i think another thing that should give us some pause is the fact that this word and this is the point i made on sunday the word for church implies a gathering Mm. Like it's built into what the Bible understands as church. It's not, well, there's this thing called the church and it may or may not gather um, dependence on the circumstances. In the biblical understanding, a church is a church because the church is a gathering. Whether we're talking about the big G gathering, if you will, of all of God's people. And a text I didn't get to go to was in John chapter 11. In fact, let me turn to it real quick. I've got my Bible right here. So in John chapter 11, you have this interesting case of the high priest at the time of Jesus. And they're conspiring like they always are 
to get rid of Jesus. And in John chapter 11, verse 51, there's an interesting little sentence that this is a commentary from uh, John at this point. If I move from verse 49 to give us context. So John 11 and verse 49, the text says, I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. One of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all. You're not considering that it is to your advantage that one man should die for the people, than the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but to unite, and some translations have the word gather together, the scattered children of God. So when we talk about this idea of the church, that's what the church is. It's the people of God who are brought together into one body. We're in John's gospel in chapter 11. If you flick back a chapter to chapter 10, Jesus uses similar language to describe his own mission. So in John chapter 10, reading from verse 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep, but I have other sheep who are not from this sheep pen. And I would argue when he says that, he's saying, okay, there are the, those in the nation of Israel who have heard his message, but there are also the Gentiles who are coming. Mm -hmm. And so he says, but I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. So again, you've got jesus ministry commented on by john as being a ministry of gathering together the people of god and i think he says that because he's picking up on what jesus himself said that his ministry existed for the purpose of gathering together the people of god and so if we divorce the church from the gathering in our thinking we're not being true to what the church actually is if we stop and think about it mm. it would be akin to me saying um you know i live with laura and we have a son and we've made a commitment to each other for life she's taken my last name i wear a ring she wears one but we're not married mm. i would hope that everyone who just heard me say that last sentence would look at me like dude you're married that's the definition of a marriage yeah well when we talk about the church the church by its very nature is a gathering first and foremost a spiritual gathering as god has gathered together his people i think i made a point on sunday that we often talk about the church as the called out people well yes that's true the root word does come from the word kaleo to call out but it's the idea of called out for the purpose of gathering for the purpose of assembling so there is the big G gathering of God's people and then there is the little G gathering of God's people, which, as I said in the message on Sunday, the invisible, the visible church is the invisible church making its imprint in time and space. Mm -hmm. And so the way we know that there is a big G gathering of all God's people is that God's people get together in smaller local gatherings. And by the way, when we say local, we don't necessarily mean local to a area. We mean local as in a specific place. So there's a specific gathering that we know as local churches. And so really, you can't say as a Christian that I'm part of the church, but I refuse to be part of a local church because you're basically saying, yes, I have all the benefits of the big G gathering, but I refuse to be part of the little G. 
now both of those follow together yeah absolutely and i would add that you know as we go on to the next one here which is fellowship that that sort of messes that fellowship up because um you can't not you can't like be apart from the church because you're missing out on everyone's sort of individual um walk with the lord and how the gospel has impacted them individually you can't share in that mm -hmm. um at the same time when you're by yourself you can't share the glory of god and what he's done in your life with other people um, absolutely absolutely and so that's just a big a big mistake you know and so anyway i really appreciated your your big idea during the sermon which was a church is the body of people called out by god's grace through faith in christ to glorify him together by serving him in this world um and so the next point would be the fellowship um can you mm -hmm. speak a little more as to what you mean by um a little bit towards the end of that section in your sermon you were talking about a partnership um fellowship participation in christ mm -hmm. um, i don't think uh american contemporary christianity really understands that so can you kind of touch on that a little more sure um well two things i'm going to recommend a couple of resources and then i'll go into a little bit more of what i wanted to say on sunday and didn't quite get the time to yeah so for anybody who's interested in thinking about this subject i'm going to recommend two books um one is called body life by ray steadman s-t-e-d-m-a-n uh, body life by ray steadman the interesting thing about ray steadman is that he comes from a slightly different theological tradition than i do he was sort of the dallas seminary that sort of world a little more uh classically dispensational than i would be and what have you um nevertheless he wrote this book kind of looking at his own church peninsula bible church in palo alto down in northern california and as he looked at the state of his own church he began to ask some questions why does my church not reflect what i see in the new testament which is always a scary question to ask <laughs> if you go asking that question you never know what thread you're going to pull on and so looking into that looking into the scriptures he wrote this book really to try and encourage healthy new testament church life and i'm glad he did because even in the one or two minor areas where i would probably look at things a little differently than brother steadman who's gone home to be with the lord i think he rightly puts a finger on the pulse of the fact that we can't say that we are a body if we are not actively engaging with one another in the pursuit of christ and that's what true body life as the title says that's what true body life looks like so that'd be my first resource another resource that i would recommend is a tiny little book you can actually get it from first love publications it's called in the footsteps of the lamb by george steinberger uh, steinberger was a german writer and again he writes about the importance of love in the context of the body of believers and how that works itself out in the life of the body again another excellent read it's one that i'm relatively newer to uh, body life i read a few years ago and it just became a staple in my library but uh in the footprints of the lamb just came back into print a few years ago in english and it's an incredibly helpful read i'd highly recommend it to anybody who wants to know more about this idea of biblical fellowship kofi is that one now, 
that on is that on our table footprints in the lamb or something like that at one point it was i do need to get some more copies i think okay. we ran out but at, at one point it was on our literature table and i will get in touch with first love publications real soon and try and make that happen again nice. um, i think it's definitely one that's worth having yeah but you know when we talk about the idea of fellowship from a new testament perspective i was very blunt in saying that i think we have a very westernized view of what fellowship is mm -hmm. and then there is the biblical view of what fellowship is yeah. the so westernized view we have is basically it's sanctified hanging out mm. and so you will hear people will i saw this back in london my pastors used to talk about this sometimes they would say that oh there are people who complain about our church and say there's not enough fellowship and you'd be like well what do you mean i'm, I'm i was hearing that and thinking what on earth are you talking about We've got tons of it. But they're saying, no, there's, there's no, no fellowship. Okay. Um, and finally it hit me that what they meant was there are not enough opportunities that the church puts on for me to hang out. Mm -hmm. That's not biblical fellowship. And that's why I went through that litany of verses. I think one of the key ones is that one i mentioned in first corinthians 1 9 but god is faithful who called you into fellowship with his son jesus christ hmm. the reality is biblical fellowship is not just when we get together and hang out and oh if i say one or two words about you know christianity that's fellowship no it's not true fellowship is when we come together with the purpose of we are deepening our participation together our partnership that's i intentionally use that word because that's how that word is used in other places mm. in the new testament that we are coming together to sharpen one another to challenge one another to grow deeper together as god's people in our shared participation of all the blessings that god gives us so for example we read a passage like ephesians chapter one mm -hmm. one of the things that hit me a few years ago and, and again i've taught ephesians before and i've taught that section before but it only hit me very recently. I want to say in the last year and a half. Everything he talks about there isn't individual. It's corporate. Like, go back and read Ephesians 1, those of you who are watching. And pay attention to how much he says he made known to us, for example, the mystery of his will. He lavished upon us the riches of his grace. It's very communal in nature. Why? Because mm. God does his work in his people, not just individually, but he does so communally. And so when we have a skewed understanding of fellowship such that we fail to appreciate the need for coming together with a specific purpose, mm. I, I want to be careful, but this is the cutting room for a podcast. I can say some stuff I left out. Um, you know, what, one of the things that I get concerned about as a local church pastor, I'm not saying I've heard this in our church, but being around church long enough and in enough churches in general one of the things you hear often is people saying you know i would love it if our churches had times for us to just get together without an agenda and i want to kind of say what on earth do you mean every time we come together we have an agenda it's called spiritual growth yeah <laughs> now, the, now that agenda may look different in different contexts and how we pursue that may look different in different contexts but there's no such thing as a purposeless getting together of God's people. Like every time we get together, we get together for the purpose of growing deeper. Uh, one of my favorite books, uh, The Trellis and the Vine, talks about this. That idea yes. of growing one more. 
one more step to the right i'll come back to that book next week when we talk about the purpose of the church but that's such a good anyways, book. But, yeah excellent but growing one step to the right actually no it was the follow-up the vine project that said that the vine project but mm -hmm. same idea that we want we want people to grow one more step to the right we're not looking for people to make gargantuan leaps just one more step one more step one more step and well, when we get to week eight of the series we'll get to hebrews chapter 10 24 and 25 you know the way in which we provoke one another to love for god in good works towards one another is by not assembling the gathering of ourselves together yeah. so in a sense fellowship is when we come together but it's when we come together for very specific purposes and for very specific goals i really appreciate that kofi um, let me back up just a little bit because you said something mm -hmm. and I think there's a healthy distinction to be made. And so can you give us a good distinction between fellowship and discipleship? Aha. Um, we're preempting a little bit of next week's sermon. Oh, okay. So, but <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll address it because you asked. Um, essentially, the difference between fellowship and discipleship is this. Discipleship is the purpose of learning let's put it this way discipleship is learning for the purpose of ministry that's what discipleship is is that we are following christ so that we may serve others as christ has called us to do so enough we can have fellowship and not necessarily be thinking about discipleship mm. but i will say that healthy fellowship leads people into discipleship relationships so it's not that I would want to make such a sharp distinction between the two as much as one leads to the other. It's as we get together as God's people, as we commune around his word, we commune around prayer, we get to know one another. That's how we get to know, okay, this is how we develop these discipling relationships. This is how we develop these relationships for the purpose of growth and greater pursuit of Jesus. So you're right, there's a distinction, but I would say it's a distinction where you've got one thing that leads to another and they're not quite the same thing okay well i appreciate that i think that's really helpful um just because i think there are some churches out there that just sort of mix them together and there is no distinction and um mm -hmm. that might not always be very helpful so um well let's move on um kofi you you mentioned during the sermon that or or the lerman um that we were it was definitely a lerman by the way yeah <laughs> And for those who have no idea what I'm talking about, go back and listen to the sermon. <laughs> but it was definitely a Lerman. No, no debate about it. That was a Lerman. Yeah. Well, it was very good. Um, you said um, under your historical attributes of the church, that little section there, mm -hmm. that, that mm -hmm. we are a Bible church. Um, mm -hmm. If I didn't know any better, I'd say, well, like every church is a Bible church. Churches are about their Bibles, you know, and so... So could you do just add a little more? What I guess, what are the major differences between a Bible church and other churches? <laughs> I knew someone was going to ask me about that. Um, so when I say that, what I mean is that we're a church where, let me put it this way. Um, I'm going to rip off my brother, John Benzinger, who, by the way, please be praying for him. He's back home after uh, having kidney stones at the weekend, um, had a procedure yeah. to blast them and might have to go back in for another one so be praying for him um i call him coach uh coach has a saying that i heard him say once and it's just burned into my brain there's a difference between the bible using you 
to preach its message and you using the Bible to preach your message. Oof. Does that distinction make sense? The It's one thing for me to take a Bible. This is the one that normally sits on my desk. But to take a Bible and to open up the Bible and to allow the Bible to set the agenda. That the point of the text is the point of the sermon. Now, again, like I said on Sunday, that, that you know, it's not we're slavishly holding to that. There are seasons like what we're doing with the Simple Church series where, okay, you're not in an exposition of a book per se. That's one thing. But even then, you want your ideas and thoughts to be constrained deeply by scripture, not what I thought up or what somebody else thought up. But can I go to the Bible and demonstrate this? Mm-hmm. So that's, you know. That's one thing. But when I say that we're a Bible church, what I mean is that we try to allow the Bible to set the agenda. That when I or anybody else steps into our pulpit, we are allowing the word of God to use us to proclaim its message in the power of the spirit. As opposed to, well, I had an idea. I then went and thumbed through my Bible, found a few verses that fit my idea. And now that's what I'm going to preach to you. Really, it's a, it's a question of authority, really. What's the final authority? Is it the scriptures? Or is it the ingenuity of men? Mm-hmm. And, you know, at Redeemer, we make a conscious effort. There's a reason that it's called Redeemer Bible Fellowship. <laughs> because we, we make a conscious effort in wanting to ensure that whoever stands in our pulpit, faithfully proclaims god's word as god gave it to god's people because if we don't do that then we are held captive to the ingenuity of men and that can be Mm. a very dangerous thing when we are held captive to man's ingenuity versus the wisdom of god as revealed in the scriptures Mm. thank you for that kofi i think that honestly that's one of the biggest things that i've appreciated about our small churches um the word of God and how much it's read. And I think I was counting, is it five times that we have a section of the word throughout the whole service, including the preaching? Hmm, let's see. So, call to worship, uh, Old Testament reading, assurance of pardon, New Testament reading, the sermon. Oh, benediction, six. Six times. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, man, that's gnarly, but it's good. That just goes to show, like, how, how much we need the word. And believe it or not, we need mm-hmm. we need more than six times in that small amount of time. Yeah, just because of our, yep. our and you know, absolutely. And you know, for the folks who are watching, is who are wondering. So we have a you know, we have a very set liturgy for the most part um, at um, Redeemer Bible Fellowship. And one of the things that when we kind of shook things up in the new year with our liturgy one of the things we wanted to ensure was that the bible still remained central that it was there were some churches that are liturgical and then it's here's somebody's like written thing here's somebody else's you know reading someone else's like we wanted to keep the bible still central and so for that for us that looked like okay our call to worship came from scripture we have an old testament and a new testament reading we're currently going through isaiah in the old testament acts in the new every week we give an assurance of pardon from god's word that comes directly from the scriptures 
and obviously in the preaching and even in our benediction as god sends us out as his people he sends us out by his word and with his word and so yeah that's a very intentional thing we've done my friend mike abendroth out in massachusetts uh has a fun thing he says some might not find it fun but i think it's hilarious he says i don't want a roman catholic to outread me in their church service yeah in other words if you've ever been to a catholic service one thing that has gone for it tons of scripture in there none of it preached but tons of scripture in there <laughs> so yeah that's just an intentional thing we do to make it clear that again you come here you're going to hear the word of god and lots of it mm -hmm. absolutely that's one of the points you hit on we're pretty good is um the historical attributes of the church and um you know there's so many different types of churches and they do it many different ways but consistently mm -hmm. there's always been this sort of reverential orderliness of the church that when we come mm -hmm. to church we're here to worship the king um mm -hmm. and so i think some churches kind of miss out on that you know and um mm -hmm. that's extremely sanctifying and it's wonderful for our spirits in our life and so i really appreciate that mm -hmm. about our own service um, yeah absolutely and you know sometimes people hear that and they think oh you're basically anti all creativity right no, we're yeah. pro creativity mm -hmm. but it's creativity it's a reverence creativity let me put it that way yeah, it's a, one of the things that we hear this term reverence used a lot um i've come to realize that one of the greatest marks of reverence in worship is restraint yeah that you don't do everything you possibly could do because you want to recognize whose presence you're in and so yes we believe in creativity we we believe in excellence you know it's not just okay we come together we cobble this thing together no like we work hard to be excellent at what we do it's not a machine but at the yes yes exactly it's not a machine like at the end of the day these are real people who are coming to worship a very real god with their hearts and we want everything that we bring to worship our hearts our bodies our voices everything engaged in the worship of god when we gather and so yes we want to do so with skill and with excellence of course we do but at the end of the day god hasn't commanded us to bring our creativity to worship mm. he's commanded us to bring obedient hearts to worship amen um yeah so what do we could we hear a little more on um let's see here the faithful practice of the church ah um, yes i guess what what are the like when we think of the church and especially in our circle we think of the historical church and the reformation which you mentioned i guess what are the the big differences between then and now um in the way we're doing church you know what's helpful and what's unhelpful Ooh, how long do you have <laughs> um well i mean it's hard to kind of speak without you know painting in broad strokes just because you know there are so many variations on things so many things that churches do differently that can fall within the lines of what is biblically required mm -hmm. um that's why the reformers were very succinct in those three points that i gave and towards the end of the message when we mm -hmm. talked about the faithful practice of the church that the church has the right preaching of the word it has the administration of the ordinances and it has the practice of church discipline 
so like, those things if those things are done well you have a church you know, sometimes we i think we overcomplicate this thing called church sometimes you know we think that a church has to have you know a rocking band it's got to have like its own building it's got to have multiple guys paid on staff um and you know all kinds of programs and stuff like that not really <laughs> I, I think when we look at the bible the churches of the new testament were very simple but they were powerful because they used the means that god had given and so when i was mentioning in the sermon on sunday about the faithful practice of the church you will see churches across the spectrum that look different but maintain those same core marks those same core distinctives Mm. And I think it's fascinating that when you read the New Testament, the New Testament does not go into a ton of detail about what things are required and what things are not. Mm. The major focus of the New Testament is on the heart of worship. It's on... This might be a good time to talk about elements and circumstances for a moment. So the Reformation Church rightfully said that there are two different things when we come together in worship. That there are elements of worship and there are circumstances of worship mm. so let me give you an example an element of worship is the preaching of god's word that's biblically commanded there's no negotiation mm -hmm. but for that to happen we might need some other things to be in place and to happen so typically in our tradition we have a pulpit well, what's the pulpit do? The pulpit serves to, I would argue, also serve as a visual reminder. But on a more practical level, I need someone to put my Bible in my notes. Now, the Bible doesn't mandate what kind of pulpit you should have, how big or how small. We can have opinions about that. I have opinions about that. But that's a circumstance of worship. It's not an element we could have just one i could just pull one of the music stands off from the worship team and use that and we would still be worshiping our yeah. worship would not be affected by that because that's a circumstance mm. that's just something we have to facilitate the element the element is the preaching or another one the bible commands us to sing but you read the new testament the new testament doesn't really go into detail about should you use instruments or not should you have somebody leading or is it just a hundred percent congregational some of these things are circumstances we have to think through yeah. what's the best and wisest way to execute this particular element and so there are that's a big distinction i think and i think it keeps us from either a ungodly certitude where we kind of think well unless they do it exactly like this they're not being faithful mm. but calm down if they have the elements right how they put those elements together may differ from how you would want them put together but that's okay because the elements are there at the same time it saves us from i think an ungodly creativity where we start thinking well unless god says we can't do it we can and so you start doing all kinds of wildness that's why you if we're going to poke the bear let's poke the bear that's why you go to some churches and they've got drama skits in the middle of a sermon. Mm -hmm. Like, what is that? <laughs> like, I'm sorry, you don't see that anywhere in the Bible. But they do it because they say, well, God does what God's word doesn't say we can't do it. It's like, well, no. 
but God hasn't commanded you to bring that in worship. Really, it's the difference between what some call the regulative principle of worship and the normative principle. We'll talk yeah. more about that um, next Sunday. Yeah. We bring to God what he has commanded us to bring in worship. Nothing more, nothing less. And so really, those I see that would be the big distinction between what I would say are faithful churches and not so faithful churches. Not so much what they do in the externals, as much as which elements are they sticking to and are they seeking to be biblical in executing those? Those That would be the big distinction for me. Oh, I think that's really helpful. Um, well, since, there, since there's a bear in the room, let's continue to poke. Um, yeah, why not? It, it'd be inappropriate if I didn't bring up or have this question about um, church membership and church discipline. Um, okay. You know, of course, in the Pacific Northwest and America in general, there's so much individuality um, mm -hmm. which doesn't also have accountability. And so can you just um, talk a little more on, on church membership? Is it biblical? Um, and is it one of the elements that you were just talking about? You know, like, is it necessary? So we'll just so start with I'm the going to, Yeah. Well, I'm going to not answer the question because I'm going to have a whole sermon in week three <laughs> devoted to whether it's biblical. So come back in week three and we'll have a conversation about it. Um <laughs> Yes, you'll be there. I know that for a fact. Um, short answer, yes, church membership is 100% biblical. And one of the reasons it's biblical is you mentioned it's sort of twin reality, church discipline. Mm. Let me preempt my own sermon from a couple of weeks with this. You can't discipline somebody out of a church if they were never actually in it. Think about that one. Now, I know that it, the minute I say that, someone say, wait a minute, I've been part of churches where they didn't have membership and they practice discipline. Praise God for inconsistency, but it's an inconsistency nonetheless. Mm -hmm. Because the idea is, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 you and Matthew 18, you are putting that person who's disciplined out of the visible body of believers. As Paul says, so that, you know, while the body may be destroyed, the soul may be saved in the day of the Lord. Now, there's a whole bunch of things about what does Paul mean when he says that. We may or may not address it when I get to that. We'll see what I end up doing with the final sermon. But for now, the Bible teaches church membership. And the sort of, and this is going to be rough for me to say because I'm not from the Pacific Northwest. Mm. But I'm sorry, it's sinful. The sort of sinful individuality that says, I choose my relationship to the church on my terms. I'm sorry, that's sinful and you can't prove it from an open Bible. Mm. You just can't. That has more to do with 20th and 21st century rugged individualism than it yep. does the spirit of the New Testament. Yeah. In fact, I'll go so far as to say any church that purpose purposefully decides to not have church membership is hamstringing its own spiritual growth mm. if you choose not to discipline and you choose not to have a membership i believe you are basically short-circuiting your church before it even goes anywhere mm. and i would be willing to go to the mat over that subject because i do think it's a major part of church health that on you know in the western united states isn't often talked about the way it should and wow. i think you see a detriment to that 
um, in the life of so many churches and so many individual believers. Yeah. How's yeah, that for poking the bear? Yeah, uh, bears. <laughs> uh, it's so interesting too, man. Like, and I don't know if you'll talk about this later down the road, but I'll just throw a little little seed, little kernel in there. But the relationship between church membership and and legal legal things that happen, you know, mm -hmm. oh membership there, then you could be in big trouble. But hey, we won't, we won't go into that. Um, yeah, we'll save that for week three. <laughs> yeah, but that that was a massive thing. But yeah, we'll, we'll learn more about that later. Um, well, Kofi, I think that's all I have, man. Well, sweet. I, I hope that you know being able to dig into some of those topics and you know discuss some of that has been helpful for everyone. Like I said, we really want to hear folks' uh, questions and thoughts. Um, after I edit this and put it up. Um, We'll have the email address on the final screen so that you can email in your questions. Because again, we really want this series to be helpful to our body. And I'll be honest, I will say this as we close. I know that in the process of preaching, sometimes you will say things that come out not the way you meant them. I know I'm prone to that, especially that, you know, in the passion of preaching, sometimes you will say something and you go back and listen and be like, that's not quite what I meant. And that came out sounding either more harsh or not as understanding as i intended and so my hope is with us doing this i can kind of pull back some statements i mean i kind of dug a deeper hole today but in general um you know if there's stuff that i say they're like i don't know if i agree with that rather than just nursing that disagreement separately hey send us a message let's talk about it and hopefully we can all grow as part of this experience absolutely all right, well, Eddie, if you are done, um, I'm going to enjoy the rest of my day off. This has been episode number one of the Cotton Room Floor, and Lord willing, we will see you next time. Bye.